0: What's up Albuquerque? This is Lindsay. Did you guys know that I'm a little bit of a coffee snob? It's true. I'll admit it on the podcast. So that's why I'm hoping that my friends and family consider a subscription package from Red Rock Roasters for Christmas this year. You know why? Because I'm not too ashamed to say it. I'm a coffee snob and I want good coffee. And even better, I want it coming to my house when I run out and I need it the most. That's why you should consider their subscription service. Albuquerque, it doesn't get better than this. They give you coffee when you need it. You never have to worry about running out. You don't have to put your robe on, put your sweatpants on and run to the store. It's coming to you. So the next time you think of that coffee snob or coffee lover in your life, think about Red Rock Roasters.
1: On this episode of What's Up ABQ, a new alternative in Albuquerque education. A school teaching grades 5 through 8 whose scholars are working toward their masters and PhDs. And how's this for a principal?
2: She's out there every day high-fiving the kids, shaking hands, high-fiving, fist bumps. You know, it's really personal. And I get to see the principal of my kid's school every single day.
1: Lindsay and Ryan take you on a journey of discovery to an amazing new South Valley school with the principal and a parent. That's what's up, ABQ.
0: This is Lindsay. And this is Ryan. And this is What's Up, ABQ. Hi, what's up, Albuquerque? This is Lindsay. And this is Ryan. And this is What's Up, Baby Q. Today we have Rachel Sewards
2: from Solari Collegiate Charter School and Rebecca Green. I'm a parent of a child here at Solari.
3: Tell us a bit about what you have going on here. Um, so I am the principal and the founder of Solari Collegiate Charter School. We are a brand new, um, in our seventh week of operation, charter school serving currently grades five and six. We will grow to be a grades um, five through eight middle school. Uh, we are a state authorized charter school and we will be in our permanent location in December, which is in the Southwest Mesa. Right at Gibson and Barbados, or Gibson and Ninety Eighth Street, but we are currently serving um, about 140 students who are coming from the South Valley and the Southwest Mesa over to the area right around Presbyterian Hospital.
2: Awesome! And so, what is it like for you as a parent, brand new school? What's it been like? Uh, It's been wonderful. Um, It's nice to have the choice, and to we were in APS. Uh, We were at a school from K through fourth, and when we saw this, we got a flyer in the mail, and I met with Rachel right before the day before Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. actually at a Starbucks at the Starbucks at Roe Bravo and Course, And we met and I was sold because she had such a vision for the school and for the kids in the South, in the South Valley and Southwest Mesa. So we're just, we're so happy to just have a choice, a different choice.
0: So Rachel, what pushed you guys to go, okay, from idea to action to we're doing this, what kind of inspired you to kind of get going? And also there's always a solution to a need that's being met. So what are the needs that you feel like you guys are meeting? Yes. So I
3: was a classroom teacher for 10 years, highly successful um, in my practice. I was a reading teacher, English teacher, so I taught social studies, and I was just really inspired by my students, primarily middle school. Um, I had a couple of years where I dabbled with high school, but just really profoundly inspired by my students who would make really significant growth in a year's time. My kids were averaging about three times the anticipated growth year over year that you would expect from a child, and it was just so inspiring to see them doing great work. But then I'd look and see what would happen when they went across the hall to a teacher who... Uh, maybe didn't have the same tools or the same level of motivation that I did. And you'd see that the kids really flounder. And it it made me realize the importance of having quality teachers and supporting teachers and helping to continue to develop professionals in their practice. And so my personality is one that I I don't want to complain about something or be frustrated with a a system where teachers um, are not continuing to grow and to develop and, um, or principals don't have the capacity or the time to be able to support their teachers in the way that I wanted to be supported as a teacher. Um, So that was what inspired me to, number one, um, applied to open the school, uh, and then secondly, when I started looking into where some communities of need, I immediately fell into the Southwest Mesa and the South Valley, where we have just a history of low academic performance, particularly at the middle school level. You look at our high schools, and they're fairly decent, um, but when we look at our middle school, we see a big dip in academic performance, but also we have like a swelling population with a very limited number of options for middle school. Uh, so we have quite a few high school options, both um, traditional um, public schools and public charter schools. As well as some private schools, but there weren't as many of those options for families at that middle school level. Um, And between that and just the academic performance that was happening in the community, it just made sense for us to apply to open our charter school in that community. So, why Albuquerque? Why Albuquerque? Mm -hmm. Um, Albuquerque. I have. I'm not a native New Mexican. I've been in New Mexico for about 12 years, and I've taught in Albuquerque and the Greater Albuquerque area for uh, most of that time. And honestly, you have the opportunity to make the greatest impact. You know, when you're opening a school, you don't want to open a school in a community that doesn't necessarily need another school. Right. Um, it, t- it creates that unnecessary competition. But we looked at areas of um, southwest Albuquerque. It has the highest population growth in the city of Albuquerque. Uh, it's continuing to grow at a really rapid rate in comparison to the rest of the, the city. I know the traffic's crazy when you try to go down to the <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's pretty oh apparent gosh. that it is growing. And it <laughs> Wait, we need more traffic lights. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Less <And> more bridges.
4: <laughs> <And> more bridges.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anybody, anybody who lives in the area, we, you know, you see the traffic. Yeah. Um,
4: well, it'll get backed up from the river to the free- yeah. Oh, and then yeah. I just moved back from Missouri and it's like, there's this many people in the world? I forgot. I thought they were all in St. Louis. No, no.
3: And you're um If you're coming from, if you're crossing over bridge between three and 630, yeah. it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> I've
4: been trying to like stay late at where I've been working just so
2: I can avoid some of the rush. Oh yeah. No, I get it. We do the same thing. We're like, okay, you've got to wait just till after six. I was going to yes.
0: There's a small recommended there route. Is, <laughs> I know.
2: You know what? We use Waze all the time okay. to figure out how I'm going to go and it's always... Do you bridge? use the Liam Neeson voice? I use Cookie Monster. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I know. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes.
3: But related to traffic, we have we have 140 kids. Like I mentioned, 120 uh-huh. of them are right. We have two buses that we are um, we we prioritize. We made it something that would work with our school budget to be able to ha- provide busing for our families. Many of our families are working um, working families don't have the means to get their kids across town to school, Absolutely. and so we are paying for two buses to ensure that our kids can come to school. Uh, getting on the bus, some as early as 6:30 in the morning. Oh. To get to school to start at seven, uh, breakfast at seven twenty. So
4: I know right now isn't where your final location is going no, to be. Final so. destination, right? I didn't say that.
3: Can you tell us a bit about about that and
4: what's going to happen?
3: Yeah, so we are currently building about a nine thousand square foot building, which is the first of three phases. We um, our foundation was able to acquire property at um, Gibson and Ninety Eighth area, or Gibson and Barbados, more specifically, um, in the Southwest Mesa, uh, and we're building out um, what will eventually be a twenty one thousand square foot series of. buildings Buildings for our 5-8 school. We'll have 416 students at total. So, we have been very fortunate in um, being able to build some community partnerships. Raza Development, which is a CDFI um, out of Arizona, is um, supporting my foundation mm-hmm. as far as getting us the financing to be able to build a building for our scholars, for our students. And then also, we're working with some great local organizations. We're working with Insight Construction um, and Muller Mullen Heller um, Architecture, who've just been instrumental in ensuring that we're getting into our building a little later than what we had hoped. We're looking at December you <laughs> Twelfth, I think, is the anticipated date of completion. But it's going to be a beautiful new building um, that we're going to be able to have right in the heart of our community. I think we have one bus stop that's right across the street from the school that's site great. where I think there's like 60 kids, almost an entire bus worth of kids getting on the bus right there. So the school location is just right where they're the families, where okay. our families are.
0: As a parent, and mm-hmm. I've got to ask you this, what were some of the reasons you decided charter school? Charter school looks like a good and viable option at this point. And, and what were some of the reasons for going, okay, you know, this this charter school in particular seems like a good fit.
2: I felt like as a parent, I would have more of a voice when it came to a charter school, knowing Rachel, knowing her vision for this school and knowing my daughter. And you know, your kid deserves a good education, right? And, and deserves a gifted program, deserves good lunch and deserves that time to be engaged in work every single day. Choosing this charter school, I tell my husband was the best thing we ever did for our kid. She feels challenged every day. She is classified as gifted. She feels like she's in gifted class all day long. So she's being challenged. Mm-hmm. And it's important for her to be challenged. So finding this school was really just a diamond in the rough. And then having Rachel run this place and seeing, you know, what she's done with it and with the kids. Perfect. Does uh, does she have a favorite subject? She is loving math and science. Okay. She is loving both of those. She enjoys it so much, and she thrives in those subjects. She enjoys it so, and she, yeah, she's a reader. reader.
0: I think I think a lot of times we we don't hear about female students in in like STEM as much, and we don't hear about you know science and math driven female students. And so it's really cool to hear. My daughter loves that, and she's thriving and she's challenged, and that's a good thing. And it's exciting to hear these things because I feel like that's an area where maybe before education has sort of put the brakes on for when.
2: Yeah, yeah. so
0: it's really cool to hear that that's something that is being taught and challenging mm-hmm. as well. and it is
2: it is and it's like a true science class mm-hmm. they get to put on the goggles yes. you know they that's get to the use part. the burners and <laughs> yeah. you know all this stuff that she's really excited about because it's so hands-on and, and getting back to having a voice with this school is I get to talk to her you know on a day-to-day basis and she's out there every day high-fiving the kids shaking that. hands high-fiving fist bumps you know it's really personal mm-hmm. and I get to see the principal of my kid's school every single day, whereas I didn't get to before. Mm-hmm. And I get to say, hey, I see this going on, or I don't see this going on. Mm-hmm. What can we, how can we work together to right. make this happen? And and I feel like we've got the, the chance to do yep. that here.
3: That's yeah. Cool. And going back to the science, one of the things that was really important for um, the school's board and myself when we were writing our, our charter application is that we wanted to have our fifth grade be treated like a true middle school. So our fifth graders have science every single day. We're using, um, New Mexico recently adopted the next gen science standards or the New Mexico STEM ready standards. And with that, the intention behind that is, our kids are doing investigations. They're doing hands-on science work almost daily. Our sixth graders—they made ice cream about a week ago, um, nice. like you know, the baggie with the ice and salt. Yesterday, they spent time making models. Like, okay, well, this is the way that we were told how to make ice cream. How can we improve this process? They tested out their models today. They get to adapt that model based on how well it worked or didn't work, and then try again to make ice cream for a third time. Um, this is a ha- labs are happening almost at least weekly, and it's everything is very hands-on. And our scholars are—they're using. Academic vocabulary all the time. They're, ta- they're talking about making their apparatuses, for example. Yes. What is my apparatus for making my ice cream? What is my apparatus for testing to see how long it takes for condensation to form on a cup? And it, it's something that was really important to us that our kids, our fifth, beginning in fifth grade, are participating in that real hands-on science.
2: It is, and you know, to have your fifth grader come home and say water displacement or thermal energy and thermal dynamics, you're like, what are you learning at school? This is so <laughs> cool. Hey,
0: yeah everything you learn today. It.
2: I don't mean. know these things. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it does taste better. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah, oh, that's great. I love that. But hands-on education is something that is so valuable, and I feel like that's something that maybe public school has lost a little bit of. Tell us about like an average day for one sure. of your students. Like, how does it start? What time do they start? Just kind of walk us through the
3: process of a day. So first, I'll say charter schools are public schools. We're just we're um we're an autonomous um school, so we we are basically our own school district, but we are still a public school. It's like the common Misconception that folks have. Um, so yes, charter sure. schools are public schools. Um, our day begins as um, Re- Rebecca mentioned. I greet every single child as they walk in the door. Um, we do handshakes, high fives, whatever it is. Um, there's a kiddo that was absent for a couple days. She got a big hug. So I'm so excited to see her. And then our scholars go into breakfast. So we have breakfast from 7:20 to 7:40. Um, following that, we have about a 25 minute period that we call AM advisory. And this is an opportunity for us to um, meet with our our scholars daily and talk about uh, our social emotional curriculum or like what our focus is for growing our our scholars, not only into growing their brains, but growing their hearts as well. And um, that's also a time when we deal with, maybe there's a misunderstanding of classroom behaviors or uh, expectations, or there's there's a problem going on with scholars getting along with one another. And so we uh, have that 25 minutes each day where scholars get to engage in that with their um, homeroom teacher. Then we go into um, two 55-minute class periods, first period, second period. Our scholars stay in the same classroom and our teachers move. So um, the kids kind of get ownership of the classroom. Space. I have my seat. I have my space for my items. This is the space that I know better than anybody else.
4: That's nice because I remember when I was in elementary school, it was the other way. So I was always I I was the one that had to move. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. And and we think that's really important. Particularly, we know a lot of our scholars are coming from. They may have challenges in their home life where they're either moving around a lot, or um, they've been displaced from homes, or there's just not a lot of predictability. Having predictability in classroom space is really important. So because we don't move classes. um, um our kids don't have like a passing period and so instead we do 10 minute after two class periods we have a 10 minute extended break where the kids can really have that opportunity to stretch out relax, talk, eat a snack. Then we jump into two more academic classes. By that point, we're at recess and lunch. Um, we have 20 minutes for recess and 20 minutes for lunch. Um, and then we go into independent reading time for 30 minutes. Two more classes, mm-hmm. break, one more class, and then we end the day with a PM advisory. Our classes are about 55 minutes long. Um, our scholars are taking um, an English class, a class that we call textual analysis. So that's writing, but with a focus on using evidence in their writing. It's a, it's one of the primary content standards of the Common Core is being able to take evidence. From a text. Are they
4: uh, DBQs?
3: Uh so social studies does a little bit of DBQs. <laughs> we we're we're parring it down a bit more. Like we, I just want you to be able to, if you make an argument to me, if you say that their kids are reading fifth graders are reading Wonder, that August has developed um, into a more mature person by the end of the text. I want to know how do you know that? What is your evidence? And then kids being able to find that.
4: And by DBQ, as we affectionately called it, death by question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> document, like,
3: yeah, <laughs> and we try to we we try to put more of that, like as opposed to us throwing the questions at the kids, the kids are the ones doing the generation oh, and the okay. creation and their writing. And so you make an argument as long as you can back it up with evidence. It, it's the things that we need to, do to be successful in college, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so being able to write a, a college paper, you mm-hmm. have to be able to that pull evidence. thinking. Exactly. And we're starting mm-hmm. that in fifth grade. Many of our scholars, they first day of school, we had one or two sentences the kids could write and they're like, oh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, this, is so <laughs> oh, this is so hard. And yeah. now I want, I, I typically sub when we have teachers out. And so now I go into a classroom and I teach and I see kids that are they are just hammering away, writing a full page of text. They're using evidence in it. They're explaining why the evidence is important. And this is in, in seven weeks that our kids are doing this. And it's, and I, I believe it's because we've kept the bar really high for our kids.
4: And that's, that's great, because I am a writer myself, and I remember back in the day when, you know, writing a thousand words was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's like, how oh, am I ever going to do this? That's like, that's three pages, maybe. Oh, You're going to say.
0: No, I was going to say, I feel like a lot of times, like you were saying, when you set the bar high, people will more often than not rise to the occasion yeah. rather than shrink down. And so I think maybe we do our students a disservice when we set the bar too low because mm-hmm. they're capable of so much more, but
2: you know, we're not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And kids are, are naturally pleasers. They want to do well mm-hmm. for the adults that are in their lives. So if you set that bar high for yeah. them, they want to reach it because mm-hmm. they want to say, look what I did. Yep. And they are truly proud of themselves. Yeah. I know Maria is.
3: There's a, um, there, a, na- a nationwide um, research study was done through an organization called TNTP. It's formerly called the New Teacher Project. And it, the piece is called The Opportunity Myth. And essentially what they found is children coming from um, low-performing and or low-income environments, the kids are not afraid of the challenging academic work. It's us as the adults in the building. We're the ones that are bringing the level of rigor or the expectations down low. And not because teachers are terrible humans. It's not, that's not right. what it is. It's because we care about kids and we want to make them feel successful. And so we think that by making work a little bit easier for them, they'll feel successful and then they'll do. Better, but what the research finds is that if, when we do that, we're exposing our kids to, to significantly less opportunities to do work at grade level. Whereas if we struggle through the first couple of weeks of school, where it's really hard, Maria went home crying because she felt like she was really frustrated by her writing assignment. Yep. But you know what? She persevered through that, and now the quality of the writing um, that we're seeing from our kids has, has grown exponentially. The kids can do it, but it's hard for us as the adults. Mm-hmm. I, I've had conversations with my teachers, like I think the assignments are too hard for the kids, and like just try. Trust me. Just wait. Give it some time. How can you support them so they can be successful? And we start doing things like if a, if a child fails, um, we do a little quizzes at the end of class called exit tickets. If a child failed on the exit ticket, there's no reason why they can't redo it. Well, you can show them where they how they messed up, and then give them the opportunity to redo things. How often in our lives as adults right. do we get to, to redo things <laughs> That's or right. fix something? Not very often. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but but teaching that to our kids and then saying like you know here like we're going to reward you for that. So you took the The time to redo the work to figure out your mistake, here's the opportunity to correct that. And we're going to put that in the grade book so you get the good grade.
4: Yeah. So a question for both of you, and I want to hear, you know, one answer at a time. How have you guys seen the educational environment change since maybe you were the one teaching or maybe you were the one being taught?
2: I think it has changed significantly. What is being taught now is a lot different too. I don't think that they are teaching up to the standard that they should be. Mm -hmm. I think when I went to school, things were a lot harder, it feels like, than what my Mm -hmm. daughter was getting. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) we were getting taught things a lot earlier, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think that just education Education has changed just in general, and especially in Albuquerque. I think sometimes our schools are neglected, especially in the South Valley. Uh, Unfortunately, funds, I don't think, are driven down there when they need to be. We just don't have enough advocates for our kids down there. And Rachel coming in as an outsider, I mean, she's advocating for our community. And to have an advocate in education, that's where it all starts. That's how we build our community. That's how we get businesses in our community is when you educate our kids. And Mm -hmm. that's where it all starts. So I think that we need to do better. And especially for our South Valley kids, especially for our Albuquerque kids. We are not ranked very high when it comes to education. Which is ironic
4: because you have the base and you have the labs and you have... You know, all these different big corporations
2: coming in and the film industry. Yeah, we have the highest number of PhDs. That's because of Los Alamos Labs, Sandia Labs, companies like Honeywell. And, and here we are with our education being the lowest.
3: Yeah, so a slightly, I think slightly different perspective coming from that of a, mm-hmm. a educator. I began my teaching career in Tennessee and then very briefly in Ohio. And when I came to New Mexico, I was coming in when the Common Core standards are being adopted. And when, so I had the opportunity to teach in four very different worlds, um, Tennessee, Ohio, New Mexico pre Common Core, New Mexico post Common Core, and for me, the being an educator, um, the clarity of expectation with the Common Core standards was something that made me being able to teach to a higher level, like you mentioned, much much easier for me. Um, and also, just experience, I think, helps as well. But the uh, but with Common Core standards, one of the things I'm really, I'm, the reason I'm a big advocate for them is that they put a lot of the intellectual heavy lifting on the on the scholars, on the students, and so we're if we're really teaching in the way that it's intended tended to be taught our kids are doing the work we're trying to have ourselves talk less and our kids do more and so having the kids do the writing so it's less I think it's less memorization than what you and I experienced when we were in school yeah. and it's more put, asking our kids to do higher level more intellectual things I guess New Mexico's horn a little bit one of the things we do have a lot of room to grow and we are very low in our rankings for education but we have a lot of integrity and honesty in mm-hmm. our actual performance we don't we don't try to fake that we're doing better than we are like we recognize, <laughs> no. yeah, we recognize and that there's a problem and there's been a lot of work um in, in just the short time in 10 years i've been in new mexico i feel like there's been a lot of work at the the government level as well as um the local level as well as communities uh, there's a lot of community folks invested in improvement of education and there's a lot of opportunities for partnerships there too
0: so i had a question and feel free to both of you just jump in um i would like to know how albuquerque as a whole as a whole city and and more specifically uh, maybe the south valley community can support you moving forward what are things that you need? What are, I mean, physical, volunteer, whatever you've got. Like, what are some things that community, sorry, can support you with?
3: Yeah. So as far as support, we are, um, we're looking for about 10 more students. Um, we'd love to have about 10 more fifth and sixth graders um, join us um, to fill up um, the remaining seats that we have available. Um, so that's our first priority right now. That's a pretty, I think it's a pretty light lift. Um, we're always looking for um, community partners as far as volunteers. Um, one of the things that we, um, we've discovered is being a small small staff, we all have to wear multiple hats. And so sometimes I have to be the um, custodian. Sometimes I have to be the lunch lady. And so if anyone is in, um, interested in coming into a school environment and volunteering some time, just uh, we're always looking for folks that could help with things like that. Um, and then uh, just finally, like, making those, co- those community connections, um, one of my priorities is that I want us as a school to be able to focus on the educating of children. But we know that the families that come to us also have needs beyond education. So those community partners that can provide things like school un- that school uniforms, supplies, serv- wraparound services for families that may be um, displaced from homes, um, need additional support with uh, medical care, etc. Building those partnerships and relationships really um, would be helpful as well. So how
4: should people reach out to you?
3: Uh, so if you can reach out to us, um, you can go to our website www.SolariCollegiate.org, or our Facebook page, um, and that'll be rerouted directly to me, either my email or my phone, and I will answer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's always nice, Want to be yes. friend, right?
2: yes. And on Instagram, she's always <laughs> posting pictures, which I love because you get a glimpse into the kids' world on What's a day-to-day basis. What's the Instagram handle? It's at Solari Collegiate.
0: Yep. And Solari is S-O-L-A-R-E for yes. anybody that's wondering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know that sometimes we're not all the best spellers. I'm one <laughs> yeah. of those people. So. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of that, I was going to ask you, how did you come up with the name?
3: So I, uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. Um, I'm not a very creative person in that, that sense, like thinking of like a very inspirational Name for a school, um, and uh, I, I was just um, playing around with the idea of like sun and and like the sun rises every day, et cetera. And so like solar, I think like first it's Italian, but then there's like if you you dig deep, it there's like it's a Spanish derivative of some sort. So I like the idea of like the sun, and then I'm like oh, I can put a little mountain next to it, and that kind of reminds me a lot of, uh, of Albuquerque. So there's not a real inspirational story there. No, but it's um, interesting. You yes. never know where
0: names come from, and yeah. it's
3: always yeah. fun to kind of hear like, hey, how did this how did this bloom? <laughs> you know? and having the the park. Collegiate, having the college in there was really important for us, for myself and for my board in that we, that's our goal. We want our, all of our scholars to have the opportunity to go to college if that is the choice that they make. Um, and so we think that the first thing we need to do is give them those academic skills so they can go to high school successfully past the algebra class that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, oh, t- actually, hopefully taking algebra in eighth grade with us. Um, but that, you know, they have the tools to be successful in high school, which will then give them the tools to be successful in college.
2: Well, it's a, and I don't know if you guys know this, but each class is named after a university or college here in New Mexico. Oh, right. So my daughter is an NMSU. There's uh-huh. a UNM. And she comes home and says things based on scores or merit or however this point system is, is mom, I got my master's today or mom, I'm getting my PhD. So it's just, uh, it's really cool that they're using that language and they get to know that language right away.
3: I think that's the language of success. You're, yes. setting, you're
0: setting up that language early yeah. so that it, it means something later on. You know, yeah. it has value.
3: And I want to highlight one of our teachers. Um, so the, the PhD master's level stu- that stuff that you just mentioned, um, one of our teachers, Miss Tears, she's a Teach for America first year teacher. And she the way that she set up her classroom is, um, this is math. The kiddos um, have, after they go through the lessons, they go through some practice, then um, they, they go into what we call independent work, the work they're working in independently. There's basic level math that needs to be done. That's the bachelor's level. But kids can then opt into doing the master's, which would be the next level of complication, and then the PhD, which would be the most complicated work that's still related to that standard being taught in the day. And so that, Miss Tirish has done a really amazing job of inspiring the kids to want to keep working past that minimum expectation. I want, I'm going to be a PhD, and we do. We hear it all the time around the building. I got my PhD mm-hmm. today. I'm like, oh, my gosh, great
4: job. (laughs) Well, we need to take a quick break, but we will be right
3: back.
1: Hey, Albuquerque. It's the holiday season, and we know that burqueños look out for each other. And here at What's Up ABQ, we want to help those who help others in our beautiful city. On December 15th, from 4 to 7 p.m., New City Church at 6300 San Mateo opens its gift mart, A Christmas store where parents can shop for children's gifts all under $5. There's going to be fun events for the kids, too. Not only that, but the proceeds will go directly to Shine Partnerships, which helps provide resources for all 108 Title I schools in Albuquerque. And this is where you come in, so if you're listening now, that means you. Would you please consider contributing to the cause? Donate a new unwrapped toy for a child between infant and 14 years old. Donate money to buy more toys or you can volunteer. Just contact Lynette at newcityabq.org. That's L-Y-N-E-T-T-E at newcityabq.org. And if you're wondering where they are, New City Church is located in the corner of the Far North Shopping Center at 6300 San Mateo. Find out more about the gift mart at newcityabq.org. Let's make sure everyone in our community has a great Christmas this year. Thanks and happy holidays from all of us at What's Up ABQ. What's
0: up, Albuquerque? It's Lindsay. It's that time of year again. It's time to throw on your jackets, coats, scarves, sweaters, etc., and stay warm. What do you mean you're not staying warm? Well, this might be a good time to call Bosque Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. Why? Because they're going to get you cozy, toasty, warm, and ready for winter. Again, that's Bosque Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing for all of your winterizing needs. So you guys don't freeze this winter, get warm, get cozy, get ready for some nice chilly weather but stay warm in the process. That's Bosque Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing for all of your heating, cooling, plumbing, and winter needs.
4: And we're back today. Uh, go ahead and reintroduce yourselves.
3: My name is Rachel Sewards, and I'm the, the founder and the head of school for Solari Collegiate Charter School. And we are here at our temporary location, which is um, right near Roosevelt Park and Presbyterian Hospital.
2: I'm Rebecca Green. I am a parent of a child here at Solari. Her name is Maria Green. So um, we
4: are talking, we are driving here, and uh, about some, some more questions to ask. And so you had kind of touched on it before, uh, but I want, I want some more meat. Um <laughs> What are some common misconceptions you feel people have about charter schools?
3: Right. So we we mentioned the first one. Charter schools are public schools. So we uh, just give you a little bit of back history on on what a charter is. Mm -hmm. So a charter school is um, we have a contract with the state of New Mexico. We spent um, my board and I spent about a year writing an application that we submitted to the Public Education Commission, which is an elected board um, that supports the public education department, who then uh, determined that we were of need and of good quality to open open up in, in the South Valley, Southwest Mesa. Um, so we spent about a year writing an application. Um, and then we now have what would be called a contract, essentially, at the state. For five, We have to apply every five years for. Um, so we're held to a pretty high standard um, of expectation to ensure that we are um, being, um, number one, we're stewards of public funds. So are we responsibly using and spending the, the public money that we are getting for our students? How are our academic results? And then as well as um, just how are we organizationally? Are we a healthy organization? Do we have a fully functioning board? That's overseeing the work that's being done in the school. Are we uh, are we running this organization, the school, well? So we have to reapply every five years. They'll review how we've performed in each of those areas and then determine whether or not they'd extend our contract for an additional five years. Um, so we're public school. We are charter schools are not allowed to be selective. So any child that applies to come to our school, um, as long as we have a seat open, they're they're welcome to attend the school. So we've uh, I've heard previously that a charter school oh charter schools don't take children with special needs they don't do this, they don't do that. Um, I can tell you that 100, we, our, our demographics are exactly the support that we do all these things. So we have almost all about 88% of our students are identified as low income. We have about 30% of our student population that has special needs. And we're really excited about that because we, we know that those are the kids who have the most potential for huge monumental growth. Like their capacity hasn't yet been realized by um, most folks. So we're really excited to work with those kids. Gosh, what else about charter schools? Um, so, we're nonprofit. That's one of the things some people think that charter schools are, Some in some states, they can be for profit, but we are a nonprofit organization. We're consi- we're actually considered a government entity, um, like a traditional school.
0: Now, do you offer any uh, dual language programs or ESL teach or education? I'm sorry, I can't talk
3: today.
1: Yeah, no, you're <laughs> having a hard time. So, we actually do. We
3: have a partnership with the Instituto Cervantes, um, which is at the National Hispanic Cultural Center, and they pr- they provide our Spanish programming. We're really excited to be working with them because their Spanish language program um, focuses not only spoken Spanish, but teaching, reading, and writing of Spanish. And we have um, two levels um, going on currently. So we have beginner Spanish, as well as our our scholars who have some experience um, with Spanish. About, I think, a little over half of our families identify with Spanish as their primary language at home. So many of our scholars are coming in with Spanish language skills already. And so we're able to ensure that we're helping them to continue to grow in their Spanish language proficiency, as well as introducing the language to our scholars who are um, English-only speakers.
4: Uh, Again, that's a question for both of you. Um, Education-wise, where do you see Albuquerque going in the future?
2: Oh, I mean, I think that we have potential to just grow leaps and bounds. We have a lot of people starting to care about our kids, and and it's showing with, with charter schools popping up, you know, they people are really investing their time. And if you are opening a charter school, you are spending like a year getting this ready with, with the state. So you really are serious about our kids. So I really think that we're going to raise our scores and we're going to be on the map.
3: Agreed. I, I'm, I'm really optimistic about the direction that uh, public education is going in New Mexico. We do have, um, particularly being in South Valley and the Southwest Mesa, I met with so many different school leaders in the community as well as community stakeholders. And people are just, if there's one unifying, Thing I think it's that people care about kids and want support. I met so many charter school leaders where you, you might assume that people would be a little competitive about the idea of another school opening up, and it hasn't been like that at all. Like their high school school leaders are saying, like, "Hey, let me know if you need any support, if you need any advice." And then just having, I think, too, just this, we've made, we've increased teacher pay. There's been um, kind of like a more money going into public education, the things that we can do to support our kids. Um, I think it's just going to be continue growing.
0: And you've been teaching for almost a decade or a decade, if not more, I'm sorry. What are some ways that maybe parents or the community can support teachers? I know that sometimes teachers... Not sometimes, but always they have a hard job. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy job. It, it's pretty much a 24-7 job, especially if you come home, you're doing your work, you're going to work, you're thinking about your kids all the time. What is a way that maybe the community can support teachers that they might not be aware of or they are going, well, how can I help? I don't know what I can do.
3: For me, I think it's it's that contact, that back and forth. So one of the things that I learned as, an educa- as a teacher and now as, as a school leader is... Talk to one another. Like if a, if a parent is concerned about something that's happening at school, or they they're curious about a grade in a class, just just reach out to that teacher. Reach out to the principal. Have those conversations back and forth. I sit, tell the same things to our teachers here too. Like don't be afraid to talk to a parent, even if it's about something contentious. My son has a bad grade in your class. Talk them through it. And nine times out of ten, the parent wants to be um, heard and ensure that like their concerns are, are being addressed. And in my experience, we are addressing those. Um par- I've had parents. We, we talked about writing a little bit being really challenging. My son is not getting a good grade in this writing class, and I'm really concerned. Yes, the writing is hard. I've talked to your, the writing teacher. We're making these, um, you know, he's making so many improvements. Like that first low grade is just, you know, we're working our way up. And I know, like, we're, we're not going to let your son fail. Um, we're working with him. He's making so much progress. And you tell a parent that... Parents are also not afraid of hard uh, of their kids having hard work. Like, mm-hmm. If they know that our intentions are for our, the scholar to be successful, okay, okay, good. Is that, so we're we're gonna take care of him. Okay, great. I don't have to worry about this. He was just really stressed out. I'm like mm-hmm. a little productive struggle is okay. Like we can we can struggle a little bit if it helps us to grow. Parents just want to hear that the, their baby's being taken care of. Yes, that is a hundred percent the
2: truth. And and what's helpful is they've started sending out weekly report cards, so you're not surprised oh, okay. at that nine week or whenever you do that parent-teacher conference, you you have a report card that you can refer to at the end of the week, and those are really helpful. It just kind of gives you an overview of your kid's week, and you want your kid taken care of. You don't want him to have a hard time, but you also know that there's reality, and you've got to work for things that you really want, and so yeah. this school allows for that.
0: So if somebody is interested in um, getting their child enrolled, mm-hmm. how do they go about doing that?
3: So, You can go to our website. We have online registration, um, or you can call the school. You can call us, um, and we can do a paper enrollment. It's it's pretty easy. Uh, we're looking for the basic information, like proof of address, birth certificate, etc. <laughs> Are you a
0: real person? Um, <laughs> yeah, it,
3: exactly, exactly. Um, even the proof of address one's kind of funny because we're because we're a state charter. Any child in the state of New Mexico can attend our school, but we have to have proof that you live in new mexico which is funny uh, but yeah so we we do have about um about 10 more seats open um that we'd love to be able to fill particularly um our fifth grade class has a few more seats than the sixth grade sixth grade's pretty full at this point but we'd love to bring on a couple more scholars and have them join our family
4: we have a question that we ask everybody each show okay, okay. Are, you re- are you ready we're ready, ready? okay <laughs> all right again for,
3: for both of
2: you
4: okay okay <laughs> red or green
2: oh gosh red Red all red. the way.
4: Red, okay?
3: Yeah. Oh, it's such a hard question. I, it no. depends on the pl- where you're getting it. Well, and that's, yeah. that's, that's the that, follow sure. up that's the nice but, question. All yeah. up is
4: not, <laughs> not including Grandma's house.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah. Where's think... your
4: favorite place in town to oh. get some good chili?
2: You go first. I have two. Oh, They're already oh, right there. Already. Okay, and, right. It's, and it's for the red chili. Max La Sierra. I don't know if you guys have been there, but it's on uh West Central, right oh, before yeah, okay. you get to course. I know where that's yeah. Yeah, it's got the big cow yep. light up oh, sign, yes. and it says oh. Max La And the coffee sign is yes. yep. neon,
0: yes.
3: yeah. Yes.
2: And okay. then 66 Cafe. Like 66 it's 66 the little Cafe. yellow building. We've been going there for years, and they have the best huevos rancheros. Oh
3: Good. yes. Oh, I love huevos too.
2: Yes, <laughs> they're my favorite. Yes. And it's an old diner mm-hmm. and we just love going mm-hmm. there. You sit at the counter and, and you, location. It's right at ninety-eighth and central. Where night well, I'm sorry. Bridge and Central, where it ends at Central, and you will see it. It's bright okay. yellow, okay, and it's got oh, the 66 yeah. highway symbol mm-hmm. okay. on it. yeah oh, okay, and it's tiny, and it's only open to like two every day. That's how
1: you know um, it's good. Yes,
3: yes. <laughs> that's yeah. how you know it's good. Yeah. I, I'd say I prefer green chili, but. Lollies on this letter. Yes. Their red chili is so good. we get some and yes. there. Oh, chicharrones there. Yes, chicharrones. Yes, yes. Yes. I know. I
0: had some good red chili this morning and I was like, wow, it's been a while. I've <laughs> yeah. had like really good red rich- This is really good.
2: Oh, fall. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's well, time. You guys need to start asking this question where to get the best chicharrones. That, yes. that should yes. be the next question. Yes. Kind of the next course. Course. I know. I feel yeah. like red
0: or green, like like we've gone through it, but mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, we can go through all the New Mexican food. Oh, and really good. Be like, yes, Get yes. a bunch of ideas. Yes. <laughs>
4: No, and, and speaking of that, uh, so I had a bit of a car problem this morning, and um, I just have to say a big shout out to the shop, and also uh, there's a sign place right next to them. Central Monavista Vista. Yes. I had a flat tire, and I had everything I needed except for a car jack. <laughs> and uh the person behind the counter at the shop actually ran out and helped me find somebody, somebody next door who had a jack. Nice. Yeah, and Very I was like, nice. "That's see, that's that's good every day."
0: There's stuff going on in Albuquerque. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we had to give him a shout out, and and the red chili was delicious. Too. It was okay. <laughs> yeah. I
2: that to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. The eggs
4: magic were on point. Yeah. <moi>. Okay. Anyways,
2: <laughs> I
4: like eggs Okay. Food's um, a good topic? No. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I feel like Albuquerque needs a food podcast. If anybody is open to ideas, there should be a food podcast. (laughs) The New Mexico Chili Cast
3: or something. There you go. (laughs) Our scholars, the first couple days of school, come up to me and say... This is the best school lunch food I've ever had. Nice. Who, um, who makes your... Or who does the we're food? We're working with Canteen New Mexico. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So they've been great.
4: So uh, is there any, any last thing that you'd like to share uh, that you've seen uh, from a charter school perspective or maybe as a parent about education in town?
0: A tidbit or a nugget
4: or,
2: or some a advice.
0: wisdom. Yeah, wisdom.
2: At this point, just with my very limited experience with education, my, my daughter's only 10, I say... If you have the choice to go charter, go charter if you can. And if you've got one in your neighborhood, they're working hard for your kids. So so join up. Get get into that school. And get into Solari if you're a fifth grader. There you go. There's some yes. guys. There's yes. spots open. There's couple spots.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I guess I would just say I feel very um, inspired. Um working in um being able to do, to do this work to be able to open a school and, and and work with 140 like beautiful little kids every day but also the community in which we're working um in the southwest mesa in the south valley it's Schools have been wonderful. Um, our our public servants have been wonderful. Community members have been wonderful and really welcoming and, and supportive of us being able to, to open our school. And so I, I don't know if it would have been as possible without them. Well, I commend you on your hard work
0: and I hope that it goes well going forward. This is exciting and we'll probably try to touch base with you in a few months once the new building is up and running and yeah. you get settled. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you <get> settled. We'll, <laughs> we'll invite you to the ribbon cutting. That, yeah. yes. Yes. Okay. that would awesome. be incredible. All
4: right. Uh, well, uh, thanks so much for letting us come and talk to you guys great thank you Omega. thanks so much thanks. thanks. what's up it's ryan this episode of what's up abq was sponsored by burghays burgers and dogs so i know one of the things Lindsay and i are always asking people around town is red or green chili it is life but where to get it? I mean, really get it. Ever since we interviewed Gil Stewart of Burkade's Burgers and Dogs, we've been going back again and again and again. Their green chili bacon guacamole burger is amazing. The next time you need a chili fix for lunch, head over to them. They're on the corner of Gibson and San Mateo by the iconic Chevy on a stick. And tell Gil, we sent you.
1: What's up, Albuquerque? Ryan and Lindsay want to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Each episode, they strive to bring you the best of our community. Discover places you'll want to check out that you need to try, see, or visit in Albuquerque. How can you help the podcast or even get involved? If you have a local business, get the name of it front and center to new customers who are your neighbors here in Albuquerque. Ryan and Lindsay want to come to your place and let you tell what's up with your business, service, or brand. They'll be thrilled to consider an interview with you. Just shoot an email to abqwhatsup at gmail.com. That's abqwhatsup at gmail.com. Second, you can donate. Like all good things in our city, this show takes time and resources to create. Chip in for some gas or throw some our away for a coffee or beer. You can do that at our website, www.whatsupabq.com. That's www.whatsupabq.com. And last, help spread the word about this podcast. Share your favorite episodes on social media. Tell the folks around you about What's Up ABQ and let the businesses you hear about on this podcast know you heard about them on What's Up ABQ. We hope you'll also leave reviews on the sites wherever you get your podcasts. Every little bit helps. On behalf of Ryan and Lindsay, thanks for being a listener and spreading the word. What's Up ABQ is produced by Ryan and Lindsay with post-production assistance from Paul Nixon at paulnixonvo.com. See you next time.